you cannot raise money from a bank when you need it. But if you go into a bank and you have six months worth of cash reserves, the chances of you getting another three months worth, not only based on your economics, but they're based on your attitude and how you come across. And you will feel more confident with plenty of cash in the bank as well. Is your Amazon private label business set to survive the downturn? Surviving a downturn means squeezing out more profits and slashing waste. But many sellers don't know exactly where their business is making or losing money. If that's you, we can help. Our new quick assessment helps you identify your biggest Amazon profit killer and what to do about it. For a quick but powerful diagnosis of your biggest issue, just go to amazonprofitquiz.com. That's amazonprofitquiz.com to get your free instant analysis. Hey folks, this is Michael Vizi from Amazing FBA Podcast for Amazon Sellers. I'd like to introduce an episode from our sister podcast, The E-Commerce Leader, which has got a slightly broader remit for all e-commerce sellers. In this deep dive episode, Jason Miles and I deep dive into a key e-commerce topic. Hope you enjoy the show. Running an e-commerce business in an economic downturn can present intense challenges. Some will thrive and grow, others will struggle, or frankly, a few will sadly go to the wall. In this episode, we share 10 principles you can use to survive and ultimately thrive in a downturn. Jason, you ready to roll on this important topic? Yeah, this is a great topic to dive into as we think about what the economy is doing broadly and where things might go. Obviously, the stock market's been crushed the last month. Will the broad economic markets sour and will people be living in an economic downturn? in the near future. I don't know, but this is important for us to think through. And uh, and so you've got some principles, you've got 10 principles you want to walk through with us uh, that we use as sort of a framework and a outline to talk through the topics. Why don't you why don't you lead us into it, man? Sure. I mean, so this is a framework for discussion because it's a huge area and the response to a multifactorial complex environment has to be multifactorial. But I'm trying to keep it as simple as possible so that we can go away and have some things to hang other things on as it were. I'm really going through from surviving and getting through the short term to then trying to be in a position to thrive in the long term, really. So that's the kind of order of events I put in. So the first principle is price for profit. It's very easy to price for market penetration, especially on a marketplace like Amazon really encourages it. And that means that you're not really focused on profit, you're focused on market share. And that is a very dangerous thing to be doing, in my opinion, in a downturn or potential downturn. And to your point, uh, Jason, I'm really glad you made that. There can be downturns within certain markets while other ones boom. COVID was an extremely extreme version of that when I had people in the mastermind selling medically related equipment that went off the scale and then people in the travel niche where it, it tanked 80%. So it is niche specific, but if there's a downturn in your specific niche, I think you need to price for profit. The profit then becomes part of your cash flow, which is one of the ultimate protections in a downturn. So price for profit, what does that mean to you? You mean raise your prices? Potentially, it, it means don't, I suppose it's a question of focus more than anything else. Focus on profit rather than market penetration. Um, uh, yeah. I would say, for example, and if you're launching a new product, then that's not going to be so much the case. Obviously, yeah. you price for penetration, but that's also an, a hint that you may be not thinking so much about pricing at launching new products into a difficult market, but rather consolidating your position in the existing ones. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I, I guess you should start with the question of, do you already have a price optimal strategy for struggling or downturn economy? Maybe you already have the price optimal strategy. And I think generally though, but what's happening in, the, in a downturn economy is people look for low price alternatives. If people are struggling financially, they're going to look for the same thing they wanted, just cheaper. 
and that their mind will shift towards cheaper substitutes. And so that's really the question is where are you position against your competitors, I think, in terms of your pricing. And that low price alternative approach, I think, is is interesting. So I guess I would say pricing parity is important, being, you know, being positioned against the high price leader. Maybe the high price leader just can't lower their prices because they have structural costs that won't allow it. In a time of economic downturn, I, I would say this, I don't think you want to be the high priced. No, those are strategy questions. And this is why everybody's business is different and unique. And you have to think through what's potentially possible in my context with my competitors and that kind of thing. Yeah, it's a great first place to start those pricing. And as you said, there's a lot of nuance and obviously you'll, you have a lot of expertise in a lot of these sort of more MBA type questions uh, as well as years of experience. I would say, yes, it's not one size fits all. Pricing for profit is a sort of subtle, broad phrase that doesn't necessarily mean that individual units should make more profit than they did before a downturn, for example. And as you say, you have to position against your competitors. But you do need to make sure that you're focused on getting a profit from the machine as a whole, is what I would say. Yeah, totally agree. Okay, what's your second principle? Second principle is using stock wisely. So again, this is related to the previous uh, thought. And again, it's more of a focused thing than necessarily a drastic change. As you say, many people's businesses may already be well set up for a downturn. But I observe a lot with my clients that they're not always necessarily, especially if they're Amazon focused. They often use stock as if it's infinitely replaceable. And of course, when you have a supply chain crunch globally, which I think we to some extent still have or could have, particularly if the situation in Europe develops further, we, we don't know where that's going. But that is not a situation in which you want to just be gaily throwing your stock out of the door and in, again, chasing market share. You want to think mindfully about the balance between cash flow, like you've got to turn your stock into cash versus your need to create profitable business. And all I would say is using stock wisely sounds a bit vague and I suppose it is quite broad, but I think you have to be very mindful about that. Again, I would use stock to maximize profit, all things being equal. Mm -hmm. So you don't just um, sell or restock because you're going to go out of stock. For example, you might raise your price instead as a way to prevent going out of stock. And that means that you make more profit on that particular set of inventory, et cetera, et cetera. And so the idea here is that your stock is going to be potentially harder to come by, maybe supply chain problems. Maybe you just need to be able to stay in the game longer. Maybe you need to um, make sure that you don't liquidate things and blow out your inventory with low prices with the, with the concern that maybe you'll have a harder time sourcing it, or maybe the pricing of your inventory will go up on the back end and you'll go from marginally good no profit margin problematic. So that's, I guess the stock piece uh, is interesting. This is not my cup of tea for sure. I don't think about stock in the same way yeah. that you do, uh, yes. um, because I think about digital products and digital products, of course, we don't have that back in award limitation, um, but so this is interesting. Okay. So this is great. Okay. What's uh, principle number three? Uh, principle number three is cut early and cut ruthlessly. Now, before the show, you and I talked a little bit about product mix, and I suppose this is really where I'm going with this, but it could also be sales channels in a time where things are harder, you don't want to be too experimental. So if you've got a direct-to-consumer site and you sell on Amazon and the D2C site is going to take a lot of love and care to build and it's not returning that love and money right now, then I'm not saying you should kill it, but you should probably put it to, into maintenance mode or something like that. But more commonly, I would say an awful lot of people that I work with have a very big range of SKUs. And one of the people has like, I don't know, two and a half thousand SKUs, maybe 300 on Amazon. And of those, I said, everyone should do an 80-20 analysis. And bless him, he went away and actually did one, came back with a graph where he'd done it all neatly. And 
about 10 of his products gave half of his profit. And really what that implies to me, the flip side of it, is that he's tying an awful lot of money up in stock that's moving slowly or maybe moving but not making much profit. And I think that now is the time coming into a potential downturn. Again, it's market specific to be willing to ruthlessly cut those, sell those through and reallocate the cash where it actually gets a better return. Yeah, this is reminding me of the old phrase Warren Buffett uses when the tide goes out, you see who's swimming naked. And I guess <laughs> as it relates to cutting uh, costs and focusing on your profitability in your business is sort of a, a P&L view of your, of your business and asking the hard questions. Like, what have you been blowing money on thinking about expanding or what have you been trying to invest into that you need to really shore up and think about being more wise with your expenditures at the same time. And I don't disagree with this one because you do need to cut waste out of your system, but economic downturns are a fantastic time to be the advertiser, to be the acquisition hunter, to buy businesses and to spend money on advertising. It's in the economic downturn when everybody else is collapsing. If you're a powerhouse, you push your advantage. And that's a really important strategic level think, thinking exercise is, am I strong right now? And if there's an economic downturn, can I still be strong? And if so, will my competitors be weak? And if my yeah. competitors are weak, what do I do? Yeah. You Maybe you buy them. Maybe you advertise twice as much as they do. All of those kinds of ideas start to come to mind. And that's the reason you want to be lean, mean, and focused on cutting wasteful expenditures in you know, and working through your profit and loss statement. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you're right to say uh, it's about the wasteful advertising, wasteful product lines, wasteful sales channels. It's not about cutting per se, about cutting ruthlessly. I suppose the reason that I focus on that without giving the implication you shouldn't cut everything is most people I know are just not willing to let go of product lines ever. <laughs> they say run their product lines forever. And when they are physical products, as really all the people focus on that, then that ties up cash and, and that is a, a wasted opportunity. And to your point, if you can run your business much more efficiently than your competition, if they are stuck in that sunk cost fallacy and you're willing to be ruthless and cut after a few months or a year or, or even shorter time, you should have spare cash. And as you say, then you can go on a shopping spree potentially. And that's one of the later principles. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's cutting waste, not cutting everything. I totally agree. Uh, I love that. Okay, keep going. What's your, uh, what's your fourth principle? Principle four is stash the cash. You should always be, I think, in any business, mindful of having a good cash cushion. And you look at some of the great companies that are from the Jim Collins book, whose title escapes me right now, but the one that's focused on the companies that grew very well in choppy waters, like Microsoft, etc. They have a famously a 12-month cash cushion. And I don't think there's a coincidence that they have been one of the biggest companies in the world for a very long time. Now, obviously, you've got to grow that over time. But I think having a mentality of growing cash reserves and using cash with extreme wisdom and focusing on cash flow, not just profit and loss is really critical in that. Yeah, I, I totally agree with this one. You know, there are a lot of little downturns that you can realize you needed more um, reserves for <laughs> and a lot of cash. So we work uh, with our charity in uh, currency exchange. And even although the world might be not experiencing an economic downturn, if the two currencies you're working in have a, a substantial whack one way or the other, but you can need a lot of cash sitting in reserve. And one time I was in a conversation and I said to somebody, Hey, we have basically like a three month reserve. And they were like, we have a nine month reserve. And I was, and we were basically doing the same kind of business. And I was like, Oh, they basically have a, a more pessimistic maybe mindset than I do, but maybe a wiser mindset. And what I would hate. And I, what I said to them was I would hate for my optimism about the future to put my business at risk. 
just because I'm a future positive thinker in the time paradox book uh, uh, framework, that doesn't mean I should put my business at risk. And it's something to think through and having a good solid cash reserve is vital. I remember just one last comment and then, and then I'll kick it back to you. But I remember in my favorite book, Growing a Business by Paul Hawken, he makes one comment about money and that is raise it or get it, borrow it before you need it. Because once you need it, it's incredibly difficult to get, whether you're you know, trying to get a loan or investment capital from somebody when you actually need it, like you're in desperation. That's when nobody wants to give you any money and you want to raise it when you're in the positive upbeat momentum mode of your business. So stashing the cash, I think is vital. Yeah. yeah. And I guess the other way of looking at it, a couple of responses, first of all, I guess it's that old uh, Greek Aesop fable, isn't it? Make hay while the sun shines. So in other words, you could just laze around and enjoy the fruits of your labors when life is good. But what you really should do, I think is do that to a degree, of course, but you should also recognize that life will not always be good. It will go through up and down turns for the rest of your business life. and. If you're around for long enough, you'll see dramatic downturns and dramatic upturns. I mean, like the last two years over COVID have been both, right, in a very compressed form. So yes, stashing the money when life is good. The other thing is, uh, to your point about pessimism or future positive, the phrase that Bill Gates used, obviously the CEO of, of Microsoft for a long time, was uh, productive paranoia. So thinking about in a useful, helpful way, not sitting around being chicken little. He, he built a giant company. Obviously, he had courage and vision. But also what could go wrong? And then how do we protect against that? And one of the best protections financially is just a huge stash of cash. And it also a, a final point on that. I think it changes your mentality. As you said, a hundred percent correctly, you cannot raise money from a bank when you need it. But if you go into a bank and you have say six months worth of cash reserves and you feel quite good about life, the chances of you getting another three months worth or something, not only based on the economics, but they're based on your attitude and how you come across. And you will feel more confident in my experience with plenty of cash in the bank as well. Yeah, totally agree. Okay, let's keep going. What's your uh, what's your fifth? Fifth principle is then moving more towards the, from the surviving to thriving mode and thinking, as you said, about the potential of expanding. And the truth is uh, a couple of thoughts that are, I think, incredibly positive. If you can get through the, the difficult times, First of all, many massive businesses were started in recessions, including say Microsoft. The second thing is when markets are smaller, they are, it's the easiest time to get market share. And the time you want to be going, trying to dominate a market is not when it's giant and growing fast. It's when it's smaller because it's been knocked back and then it's much, much easier to take market share. And in very concrete terms, for example, advertising costs are going to be somewhat cheaper if most of your competition is wiped out temporarily in a niche and is not advertising or they've pulled their horns in and aren't advertising much, as you said earlier, Jason. But I would say before you start going on a spree, keeping your powder dry and waiting for the right moment is really important. So I think having plenty of cash and a good investor on the stock market, looking around for opportunities, looking at potential acquisition targets, potentially, if you think that there are some businesses in your space that would make sense to, to bolt onto yours or, or whatever it may be, taking IP from somebody who's selling up their business and, and paying for that. Or other things like that. But I think taking time to, you know, look at the opportunities, but not acting impulsively is really important if you're actually going to take advantage of a situation like that. Yeah, I totally agree uh, with that one. And to my initial point at the beginning of the show, even just having money to spend on advertising, when your competitor's advertising falls off, can you fill the void and take some market share there? Hey folks, thank you so much for listening to another episode of The E-Commerce Leader. Hopefully you're finding this a useful topic. Downturns are never fun to think about in the abstract. It's always nice to think everything's going to grow forever. But the truth is that things go through waves. And if you're well positioned, 
you'll ride out the tough times and you'll be in a great position to take advantage of when things start to grow again. So today we've really focused on the the first few principles, which are really about surviving the bad times and even thriving during the tough times. Every business I've ever worked with, sooner or later, it goes through some kind of downturn within the business. Sometimes that's within their micro markets. Sometimes the broader economy has challenges and headwinds. There's certainly a lot going on geopolitically at the moment. As we all know, there's lots of things pushing towards inflation and et cetera, et cetera. But we are not hopeless consumers of news. We're entrepreneurs and we can adjust and change again and again until we have trimmed our sails according to the type of weather we're sailing in to use a nautical metaphor. As befits somebody in Britain, where we have a lot of coastline and great sailing tradition. Hope you've enjoyed the show. As ever, thanks for listening. That was the e-commerce leader podcast with Michael Vesey in London, England. And Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. If you liked this content, don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast app. For free resources, including PDFs and videos on topics like traffic, products and sales channels, just go to www.theecommerceleader.com. No hyphens, just as it sounds. Thanks so much for listening.